I really fell into a lot of self-loathing and, uh, and actually hatred for myself because I so badly wanted to be rid of this thing. And it impacted the way that, that I viewed myself even as a woman. And it's interesting because since I've opened up my story to other people, every single woman that has reached out to me has said the same thing where they said, I thought that I was the only woman who struggled with this. And so I really thought that my femininity itself was broken because I was consuming pornography. Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I am your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I have a guest on the podcast today and I'm really excited to get into this discussion. It is episode 64 of the podcast. My guest today is Sarah Joy Ritson. She's studied art and teaching and has worked for the past two and a half years as an elementary school teacher in the US and South Africa, where she is actually living in the beautiful place of South Africa. She is passionate about her faith, good books, good food, and good conversations. She loves expressing herself creatively, whether through painting, poetry, and writing. Her life goal is to be Jesus with skin on to others and to be with people the way he was. So I don't even want to give it all away. You may have seen the title, but we're going to go ahead and get into this conversation and her coming out, no more hiding and just sharing her story. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So hello, Sarah, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Thanks. Hello to you, too. It is a pleasure to have you. Um, As always, peeps, you know, I always got amazing people with amazing stories on here. And, you know, I tell people this all the time, like I stalk people on Instagram. But um, I found her with this amazing posts which we're um just sharing something really amazing and being very brave which we're going to get into that in a few moments but before we get into that how do you define authenticity you know what does it mean to you um to me authenticity is being who you are without hiding or resenting the personality that you've been entrusted with so it's being out in the open um and not being ashamed of that Wow. I love that without resenting. I like that extra part you added on there without resenting your personality. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So have you always been authentic? Do you feel like? No, I, um, I really spent a lot of my, my later years, I don't know, I guess early adult life in hiding 
um, there was always this question that I carried around with me where I, I, for many years, couldn't accept people's compliments fully because I always thought, well, if you really knew what was going on in my life, then, then you wouldn't say these nice things about me. You wouldn't um, comment that my faith is strong or that I'm a role model because I was struggling with these different things that I was hiding and I wasn't able to fully come out with that. So I also wasn't able to be fully myself around people or I never felt like I was my full authentic self. Wow. Okay. So I've heard that a few times, like that thing of, if you really knew the new, the real me, you would never want to know me. Like, I, I feel like that's that belief or that talk that we have that really does keep us, like you said, in hiding. Would you agree with that? I would. And, and it's, such, it's such this tricky thing, too, because we all want unconditional love, right? Mm-hmm. But what I found in, in, in my life is, and why I went so much into, into hiding with this, was in order to be loved unconditionally, people have to know everything about us, right? We have mm-hmm. to be known. But then there was this fear that, well, if you did know this about me, then you couldn't love me unconditionally. And so it gets into this this big cycle of of shame and hiding and this thing that we most want, we think that we're going to hinder, even though in order to receive love unconditionally, we have to actually be vulnerable and share those worst parts of ourselves with people. So... (laughs) It makes me think like, that's so true. It's so funny. You said the cycle. I was thinking that in my head, but it's like, how much, how much of us just my random thought, this is me going off tangent, but how many of us really get to experience love then? Yeah, it's, it's a question. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. I just feel like it it just, when you say it like that, it just really makes me think like, can we, do we? So um, you took off a really big master. I think it was really interesting. And like you talked about hiding, (laughs) tell us what you are hiding. So I was hiding that from the time that I was 17 years old, that I struggled with pornography. And it was this slow um, progression over the years that, that continually got more of a hold on my life and brought me into deeper levels of, of shame and isolation. And it was self-isolation um, that, w- that would happen as a result of that. And it was very difficult for me to come forward initially because I was this good Christian church girl who is in youth group and I was, I'm super blessed with parents that, that instilled a healthy view of sexuality and um, impurity and everything, but no one knew that I was struggling with this. And there was an additional layer of shame because I was a woman struggling with what I thought was a man's issue. Mm. So I felt completely isolated and really went into hiding for wow. many years in my life. So there's two sets. It was shame because I have this, I'm struggling with porn and then shame because I'm a woman struggling with porn. Okay. So can you tell us from your definition, because I feel like definitions are important and everyone's is different. 
what do you consider struggling with porn? Do you feel like it was an addiction? Like how, what was that for you? What did that look like? Yeah. So you'll hear me, you'll hear me use the word addiction and that's not, um, like I didn't go to a therapist and, and was diagnosed or anything, but it reached a point where I, where I looked back and I realized that I'd been wrestling with this thing for seven years. And even though I, it wasn't a, a daily occurrence, I could look back and see, okay, when I was 17, I was watching this type of thing and now I'm 22 and it's, there's been this progression to more um, explicit, more in, in intense versions of what I was watching there. And I've been wanting to stop for these past seven years and I've been unable to. So when I use that word addiction, that's, that's what I'm talking about is that I wanted to stop and I found myself just unable to completely. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to bring in something into the mix, just a little. Mm -hmm. So for some people, they'll be like, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Um, some people are, there's nothing wrong with watching porn or what well, doesn't sound like it was that much of a big deal. Um, you know, porn is healthy and, and all these other stuff. What do you say to that? How do you respond to that? <laughs> um, I would, I would point them to one of my favorite resources of all time is this website called fight the new drug. Mm -hmm. And they really go in depth into how pornography affects your brain, your heart and the world. And so for, for somebody to try to convince me that no, watching porn is healthy. Um, there's so many different statistics that I can point them to. I, I can point, point them to how it um, impacts your brain similarly to the way that a drug does. Uh, you get these dopamine hits and then your brain gets used to them. And so you have to increase what you're watching it and it intensifies and that contributes to to anxiety and depression it's not that it will cause it but if those are things you're struggling with it tends to make those things worse it tends to heighten them within your life uh, it impacts the way that you view relationships your own self-esteem um, there's studies that have been done where it talks about how even physically there's young men in their 20s that are now struggling with they call it porn induced erectile dysfunction and it literally impacts your 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 how your physical body works. And so to try and say, no, this is a healthy thing. Um, there's so much research that points to the opposite that I'm, I'm not going to laugh at you, but it is kind of a laughable thing, thing to say if, if you have looked at all these studies and you still come away saying those sort of things. Hmm. So, and I don't disagree, by the way, everyone here, you know, in the sense that, you know, I'm a therapist and I understand how the brain works and, and the mechanism and um, the porn, there is not that intimacy and we seek it for intimacy. So I don't disagree. And I, but there are people who will be like, well, there's healthy porn and unhealthy. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's that argument about ethical porn uh, mm. that I've seen. But even if you could somehow verify that everything was produced consensually, which if you look at so many of the cases, um, another resource to look at is, is Exodus Cry. Uh, and they're just really highlighting all of these different stories of women who are within the industry and just bringing their stories of coercion and everything to light. 
and it's a huge issue within it. There's not really any possible way that you can verify that the pornography that you're watching was produced ethically, that there was consent, that everybody was tested, all of these things. But even if, let's say in a perfect scenario, all of those things were in place, everything, um, everyone was taken care of, there was no coercion, um, nothing like that. Everybody knew what they were getting themselves into, because that's another issue with, with pornography too, is very often these women will go in and they might think, they're just doing a photo shoot. And then all of a sudden they're saying, nope, it's this sort of scene. And they get a lot more than they, they bargained for. Um, but even if that didn't happen, it still impacts your brain the same way in those negative ways. You're not, your brain isn't going to um, process pornography differently just because you know that everything was consensual versus mm. not. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So tell us, how did it impact you? How do you feel like, you know, from when you first started up until the point, like you kind of, before, you know, ask for help, how do you feel like porn impacted you emotionally, mentally? I know you talked about isolating, but what else was there? Yeah, it, um, it only had negative effects in, in my life. It, um, yeah, it, it just brought that question, that really heavy question of if you only knew. And just so many feelings of hypocrisy that, that came along with that. And um, I really fell into a lot of self-loathing and, uh, and actually hatred for myself because I so badly wanted to be rid of this thing. And it impacted the way that, that I viewed myself even as a woman. And it's interesting because since I've opened up m my story to other people, every single woman that has reached out to me has said the same thing where they said, I thought that I was the only woman who struggled with this. And so I really thought that my femininity itself was broken because I was consuming pornography. And this, this was a, an issue that I had only ever heard addressed uh, that men struggled with. I had no idea um, before I actually told that first person um, that I opened up to that, that women could even struggle with it. So it really brought a lot of low self-esteem on my end. Um, it affected even a, a romantic relationship that I was in, in that I didn't feel like I could open up to him. And so that created a lot of doubt and insecurity on my part. I was very much in denial while I was in the relationship that I was struggling with it. And so it felt like this thing that I had to hide. And obviously that creates trust issues. And when I did eventually uh, try to speak up about it, that, that trust was obviously broken, rightfully so. Um, so yeah, it, it impacted me spiritually too. I felt at times distant, distant from God and like I couldn't go to him until I had spent so many days clean. And I felt like mm. I deserved to sit in that shame that I felt, um, that it was warranted, that I, I should feel those things because clearly what I'm doing is so wrong and, and how could he forgive me for this? Mm. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing that really caught my attention, you said so many, you know, interesting things, but like that your femininity was broken. That's yeah. a very huge statement, um, especially for women, because we have all these other pressures about being a woman, what it means to be a woman. And now, you know, you're struggling with porn and now you're like, oh, my femininity is broken on top of yeah. all of the other things that sounds like a super huge weight 
And I just felt like a, a hypocrite on top of that as well, because I knew the damage, the damage that pornography does to the women that are within the industry. I mean, it damages the men too, but it's, mm. it's really the woman that you hear the most about in terms of coercion um, and violence that it, that's done uh, against them. So it was also like, I'm just this massive hypocrite. I, I, I'm a woman myself, but yet I'm, I'm consuming this material that degrades women that, um, that doesn't treat them the way that, that God would want them to be treated. And so even that guilt and shame of, of how can I be, be consuming this when, you know, these are my sisters um, sort of thing. But yeah, I, I for sure felt like my, my, yeah, femininity, femininity, my, my being a, a woman was just completely broken mm. and, and shattered. So recognizing, and this is a thing I think it's very important to share is that it's like, you know, not to take it out of context, but it's still to do with the brain. It's kind of like, you know, when you eat in a whole uh, ice cream or you eat in meat, meat, it's chocolate. And I know that I'm eating more chocolate than I need to. And I cannot stop. Um, because at that point, you know, the dopamine's taking over. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting, I'm wanting, wanting this huge rush. Do you, what was, is that the same for you? Because you know that, you know, it's unethical, you know, you want to stop, but you're still going back. What, you know, I always like to say, what was the benefit? What was you getting? Because there is something, and I think it's also important to identify what we're getting in that moment so that we can try to find it elsewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's getting to that root issue because so often it's not the porn itself that's, that's the problem. It's there's something going on internally that we're trying mm-hmm. to satiate, that we're trying to, to fulfill within our lives. And so even that kind of changed over the years, my relationship with, with porn and what I was trying to fill with it. Uh, so when it first, my, my addiction first started, it was just curiosity and it was often just like boredom. And as the years progressed, um, especially after I went through uh, a breakup with this guy that I was going out, it became this almost numbing or this, this comforting thing that I would go to. Um, I was lacking that intimacy and I just wanted distraction. I would say it was, it was a distraction from the pain that I was feeling as a result of that. And toward its, its later stages, it was very interesting talking with, with my dear friend um, who I, I worked with and I had just opened up about my story and I talked about how I knew the guilt and the shame that I would feel even before I engaged in it. And I try to think about that as a way to prevent myself, but then I think about it and it almost became the self-harm that she pointed, pointed it out where I thought again, that I deserve to feel like that. And I deserve to, to, feel that, that pain and that shame afterwards. And so it was this very odd sort of dynamic, but I, I can't necessarily explain why, but that's what it became towards the end of it. So. And of course, because there is not this help or support, especially for women around porn, you kept it silent and you kept hidden and you stayed in this cycle, unable to, you know, get the cycle. Um, And I talk about in anything, you know, we need help. We're we're wired for connection. We're wired for relationships. What made you finally say, or 
be like, I can't do this no more. I have to share. I can't hold this in. What was that for you? Yeah, it was, it was a journey. It, it, it wasn't a one-time sort of telling for me, but there was definitely the first time that I opened up to, to somebody. Um, I had reached this point where I was, I was in college and I had just thought that after two years of struggling with this at, the, at that point, I just thought, no, I'm never going to have to tell anybody about this. I just, I'm going to deal with this by myself and then nobody's ever going to have to know ever. And I lived in that denial for a long time. And it just reached this point where I was just feeling so convicted and then so guilty and, and, and ashamed that I realized I just had to say something. And I really, my, my faith is very important to me. And I believe it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So I spent a lot of time praying and just asking him, okay, would you direct me to the right person? And I felt him kind of highlight this, this friend of mine. And so with great fear and trembling, like I literally felt like I was going to vomit the entire day. I ducked into the bathroom. It was, it was that weighty. Um, when I was going to her, I, I knocked on her door and I sat her down and I began opening up and I didn't even tell her the full extent. I was still in denial about how badly I was actually struggling, but it was so beautiful because the first thing that she said to me was, Sarah, I still love you. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that she said was, I, I used to struggle with that too. Mm -hmm. And in that moment of her affirming, I used to struggle with this too. I would have had no idea, but it just lifted this weight where I realized, oh, I'm not the only woman in the world who struggled with this. And that's legitimately how I felt in, in that moment. And that was really, it wasn't the end of my, my journey. I, I wasn't miraculously delivered and never had that desire again. Um, but it was the start of my walk towards freedom uh, from this addiction. So. Wow. Gosh. So I love that you shared that it was a journey. So it's not like a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. We talk about a lot about that on the podcast, that it's a journey and it's ever evolving. I'm curious, what didn't you tell her? What did you hide? What did I, what did I hide? So at that point, okay, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be really TMI at, at this <laughs> point, but I, I struggled with masturbation before I struggled with pornography. Mm -hmm. And so I was open about that with her, that that was something that I was struggling with, but I denied that there was like a video component okay. attached okay. with that, that there was, there was a visual component that was attached with that struggle. So, yeah. And I was, like I said, completely in denial because I knew what I was watching. I knew what I was looking at but I was in denial that it was even affecting me negatively because at that point I wasn't on actual porn sites. It was just, oh, I know this TV show has very explicit scenes. And so I'm going to look those up on Netflix or on YouTube. And so even though at that point it wasn't hardcore porn, anything like that, it was still, my brain was still processing that mm -hmm. as if it was. Mm -hmm. Your brain doesn't know the difference. Yeah. So yeah, that was that and that initial first step. Um, and then it took me a lot longer to open up about the other things that I was wrestling with. So how long did that take from the time when you told about the masturbation to sharing about the actual videos? So that took actually quite a few years now that I think now that I think of it, 
And I had opened up to a few other people um, as the years went by, but the healing, the, the real freedom for me, I'd say, I'd say that kind of final um, breaking of, of this chain mm-hmm. came when I called that same friend and I admitted to her that this was an addiction. And it was that first time in those, those years from when I first talked to her to that call, it was last um, April that I called her. And I, and I said, I'm addicted to this. This isn't a struggle. This is something I've been trying to be free of and just have not been able to, mm. uh, to be free from. So yeah, it was, it was quite a few years actually. Wow. I love yeah. that you shared that, you know, that mm-hmm. progression. How did that feel once you finally told her about the actual pornography and actually saying it was an addiction? How was that? It was, it was scary again. And I was very worried that she'd be disappointed in me because, oh, we've talked about this already. And why weren't you completely honest with me? Um, but then I also had to look back and be like, I wasn't even fully honest with myself at that point when I was when I was talking with her. And again, she just met me with such grace. And part of my 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 reason for calling her was since I talked to her that first time, I just wanted to be what she had been to me to other girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had felt just this calling to, to begin sharing my story, but I kept on putting timelines on it where I'd say, okay, I'll talk about this, this issue after I've been clean for six months or mm-hmm. after a year. And it just wasn't happening for me. But again, I wasn't admitting the full extent of my, my problem in the first place. And so I was just telling her about how I just want to share my story. I just want to help other girls walk into, into freedom and, and feel like they can actually talk about this with somebody, because I know that that's the only way that we can actually get proper help is if we bring these things into the light. But I just, I, I can't seem to make it past these timelines. And uh, she really just challenged me and she reminded me of, of Paul. And she just pointed to him and she said, imagine if Paul, you know, who literally went from murdering Christians to mm-hmm. following Jesus within a weekend, put these timelines on, on, on him, himself and said, I'm not going to talk about my story until after I've proved my, my worthiness. And it's in bringing these things to the light that, that you know, people were affected in, in the first place. And so she challenged me on that and said, you know, it's, it's kind of an obedience issue at this point. You feel like this is something that the Lord is calling you to, but you haven't actually made that step yet. And so I really considered what she said and I hung up the phone and I spent the next weekend just writing down my story and making that post. And I sent it initially to my inner circle of friends um, and just to get their opinions and their ideas on it and to see what they, what they thought. And the outpouring was, was just so encouraging from them. And they said, no, this is something that we need to talk about and, we need, and people need to hear. And so from there, I was taking a writing course at that point. And I said, okay, do you want to release it into a place where people who actually know me outside of this inner circle know? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'll post it on this writing, this online writing course where nobody knows. And again, the response was just so beautiful. And that gave me the courage to really open up to the public and just say, hey, this is me. This is what I've struggled with. This is the journey that, that the Lord is taking me on and it's been amazing how much freedom that's brought to me just yeah. in sharing it 
story and being open with it. Wow. I'm so glad you did because if you didn't, I wouldn't have seen your post. So (laughs) that's how I found out because she shared with the world. So what has, you know, I heard you saying that the response has been amazing. Um, How do you, what are you, what are your thoughts now on continuing to share and kind of like, you know, you made this point that church, the church, and I've read some of your work where you just talk about the church mainly talks to the men about it. So what do you want to get out there and, and kind of share for the women who are struggling with porn? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, again, this conviction came where I, I saw that this is an issue within the church that whenever I would go to a sermon, if pornography was even talked about, which I can probably list on one hand, the amount of times mm-hmm. I've heard pornography addressed in the church and never a full sermon. It's just like a passing thing. Maybe they're doing an altar call. Husbands, if you struggle with pornography, young men, if you struggle with pornography, you know, come, let's, let's pray for you. And I just remember sitting in those, in those sermons as a young woman who is struggling with this. And it just further contributed to that shame that you, oh, you're struggling with a man's problem because I only ever heard it addressed there. I only ever saw men support support mm-hmm. groups for mm-hmm. it. And so really what I'm wanting to do is be the voice that I needed to hear when I was younger and to help educate and to help bring these things into the light. Because I really believe that if, if we talk about this and specifically if we have women addressing other women or even speaking before a, a mixed congregation, we begin to see that this is a human problem. This isn't just a man's problem. Like when we talk about anger within the church or we talk about pride, there's not an extra shame that's associated with being a prideful man or being a prideful woman. And so I really believe that that in talking about this, that it can help to break that that stigma and break that that additional layer of shame that women often feel. But uh, two women that are listening, I'd wanna say that you're for sure not alone in this struggle even just to statistically speaking, I was looking at Fight for New Drug the other day and they were talking about how 60% of women in this one study admit to struggling with, with pornography and about one in five viewed on a weekly basis. So you're so not alone in this. Um, it's a normal thing to wrestle with and, and to struggle with and your femininity is not broken. Um, and yeah, you're not alone would be the main thing that I'd, that I'd want any woman who's struggling with this to hear as I'm speaking to you. And that's what you wanted someone to say to you. Yeah. Those are those, and that's that voice that you needed. That's what you needed to hear as well. Exactly. Cause that's what began that healing for me. And again, yeah. even though it was a journey, it still is a journey. I've, I've been over a year clean, but Um, those temptations still aren't completely gone. And it's Mm -hmm. something I have to monitor within myself where, oh, if I'm feeling particularly sad or heartbroken or or bored or even hungry sometimes, um, I have to just check myself and make sure, okay, what what do I actually need right now Mm -hmm. Um, that I'm thinking going and looking at this will will fulfill and trying to stop those thought patterns before I fall back into them. So what helped you overcome the addiction or what's been helping you overcome? Cause you know, you're on this journey. Yeah. The main thing is accountability. Um, the, that first step was for sure reaching out and, and, 
telling that trusted friend. And that's something that I know is terrifying. It's probably going to be the scariest part of your journey is opening up to that first person, especially because there's that big fear of rejection that comes along with it. And thankfully, in my case, I was blessed to be well-received, but I have had a few women who've reached out to me that have talked about the pain of, I opened up to my youth leader or to my mentor, or I even heard this one woman who she opened up to her therapist, but then her therapist told her, no, it's not a problem, even though it was something that she wanted to deal with. And Mm -hmm. so um, I just want to acknowledge that that's a difficult thing to do and, and to do it with caution, but it's such an important part is just letting somebody know um, and, and letting a safe person know and accountability for me. I still have friends that will check in with me. I have friends that they know that they can ask me any time of the day or night how I'm doing. And I have that freedom to be honest with them because I know that they love me unconditionally. Yeah. And so there's that and just being brutal. Like there's a stage uh, earlier on when I was fighting where I would hand my phone to my friend at eight o'clock every night and just be like, okay, I'm going to come and get this in the morning. I have even guy friends that I watched uh, journey through this, that they actually got rid of their smartphones. They, they changed to a flip phone. They would do things like they wouldn't uh, use their laptops alone in their rooms. They would always be in an open space and open living area. So we really to be brutal with with it, uh, where, where you can be, obviously. Um, Mm. how do you do when you have a craving or like you said, when you're hungry and things like that, and you normally would turn to porn, how do you deal with that? What do you do now? I try to interrupt the thought and, and pray for me, uh, is especially important, but to really investigate, okay, but what do I actually need right now? You know, am I just going to this because I'm feeling sad? Okay. Well, what can I do instead of consuming. And if I'm alone, if I'm lying down on bed, then I need to get up and maybe just go and take a walk. Because mm-hmm. what I found is if I can withstand that initial like five minutes of that, that overwhelming temptation, then usually it, it'll fade and it will go away. And so really to, to either reach out to one of my, my core people or to address that need, if I am bored, okay, well, let me go and find somebody to talk to or let yeah. me go and um, get a book because being on a device when you're bored and there's this craving is probably not the wisest thing to do. So it's really just trying to interrupt and then address that actual need and identify that actual need. Okay. I love that because, um, I love that you said, um, that it, you know, the, the, the addiction is not about sex. Like often Mm -hmm. it's so much more of these, other things and we initially can think it is but it sounds like it's it's not so thank you um you said something that I do want to just really ask you really quickly um before we wrap up that your therapist didn't think it's a problem and, and I understand that because there are people who don't always think it's a problem or even when you're talking to sex therapists still like we talk about the healthy and an unhealthy I always say on here people do what you want to do it's totally your choice and you're going to make that assessment and you're going to make that awareness and you're going to realize how, you know, what's the pattern and what is this doing for you? And what is this really about? Like some of the questions she was asking, you mentioned about, um, masturbation and, um, you sharing about that and you saying you struggling with that. Some people don't see that as a problem. 
what what did it mean for you to struggle with masturbation? Because for some people, they'll be like, it's healthy to, you know, touch yourself and feel yourself and things like that. So that's yeah. just my one question. Now, I know some people will probably be thinking. Yeah. And um, I think it's important to note that, again, I'm, I'm approaching this from a, a Christian worldview, right? That's that's my lens that I'm that I'm approaching these things. So it's one of those gray areas, even within scripture, where there's no real clear teaching on it. But I, again, I just think back to Paul and he talks about how all things are permissible, but not everything is helpful. And so for me, I, I, it was a problem for me because it became a, inseparable from uh, pornography for me after a certain point where even, even if I wasn't watching, the images that I had seen before would come back. And it wasn't this healthy thing. And I just knew even within, within myself, I'm like, I, I don't feel good after this. Yeah, it might be a momentary release, but after, the, is this shame worth it to, to feel that afterwards, um, to feel this, this, this guilt? And at one point it was like, if I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep, that would be my, my go-to coping mechanism. And I just didn't want that to be a part of my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I realized this, this wasn't helping the way that I viewed myself or the way that I viewed other people. And so that's why for me, I would say it was, it was a struggle and it was a problem in my case. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I think that's yeah. important to highlight. Um, I constantly have discussions about that with people who are believers and non-believers. So I know, of course, there's nothing in strict scripture. And so there, there are so many different things. So that's just mm. why I wanted to highlight that. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. What do you want the guest, anyone who's listening, sorry, the guest, the audience <laughs> to take away? Um, I would love for them to take away that this is a human problem that, that we can struggle with. And it doesn't matter how old you are even. It's been amazing. I've had women that have reached out. There's this one woman that checks in with me every so often. She's in her 60s. And she began struggling with it even before internet pornography w- was a thing. So I, I just really want, especially the women that are listening to this, to know that you're not alone and that it is possible to overcome this and to be patient in the journey and to understand that if you have a setback, if you take a step off the path, it's not like you're, you're coming all the way back to the beginning where you started. You're just stepping back on, onto where you last left, left off and you're coming with more knowledge, hopefully, and, um, and, and more drive than you, than you were before. So that would just be my, my encouragement to know that you're not alone and there are people and, and sources that are, that are out there that can help you and um, yeah, and know that you're not alone. I know I've said it a bunch, but Thank that's you. really my, my heart's cry. So. I love that. I appreciate that. Thank you. So you gave us a couple of resources, which I'm going to put in the show notes for everyone, which, which is Fight the New Drug and Exodus Cry. Do you have any other resources? Yes, actually, I do. Um, so if you like to listen to sermons or podcasts, there's this awesome two-part series called Free Porn to Porn Free by Breakaway Ministries. It's by a pastor named Timothy Atik. And if you're a reader, uh, which I love, I love reading, there's two books that I can think of. And again, they come from uh, more of a Christian worldview, but I think they're helpful regardless. So there's one called If, if You Only Knew by Jamie Ivey. And another really amazing one for e- even just 
many topics about sexuality is Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot by Moa Song. I'm constantly pointing people to those when I have this conversation. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much. I'll definitely put in them in the show notes. And last question, where can people shower you with love? How can they connect with you? Oh, that's such a nice question. Um, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram and I have a blog called Becoming Shiny. So if you look me up on social media under that name, you'll find me and feel free to shoot me a message, anything like that. I'm super open. I love having these conversations, encouraging people. Uh, and if, if you do have any questions further about this conversation or my story, I'm super happy to answer those. Okay, great. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following the Instagram, Bianca Keisha, spelled Keisha, K-E-S-H-A, or visiting the website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination. Thank you.